0: How are you all? I want to wish you a very wonderful and very Merry Christmas as we go into the season. We're going to have communion tonight. And I think you'll see exactly why when we go into where the study leads us in, in the book of Romans. I was going to say the book of Luke. <laughs> wow. The book of Romans, the 11th chapter. We're finishing up this section of chapters 9, 10, and 11, which were fairly heavy, but I think you went through them really well. And we, we talked about uh, the, the, the past of Israel, the, the very present of Israel, but the future. And the future of Israel is bright. But, and because of our Lord, because the promises that he has made to them, he will not allow them to go uh, for naught. He has made a vow, he has made a covenant with their, what would be called their forefathers with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the rest of the prophets that he dealt with during the time in the Old Testament of Israel, his chosen people. And because of their, as we've studied, because of their consistent disobedience and rejection of him, he allowed them to have this time of of silence, which I don't think that's the right way of saying it, but he has allowed them to have this time of their choice, and that was disobedience. But he has used it as he always planned to reach to the Gentile world with the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. And so as you prepare your heart for communion, and guys, we'll do this in about, I would guess, 10 minutes. Uh, Let me get into this part of it. They asked, when when are we going to do it? And I I told them, I don't practice before I come up here. I do this right now. And uh, so I wasn't certain the timing of it. But I think we'll do it in about 10 minutes. Let me share with you the words. First, let me read to you this section of scripture. Look with me at Romans chapter 11, and I want you to read with me from verse 25 to the end of the chapter. But what I want you to notice, and we will deal with it first, is verses 32, or actually verses 33 to 36. Paul ends this section of scripture with a doxology, a, a praise and a prayer and a glorification of his God. You know, I, I've learned something through this study. I knew this a lot before, but it became really, really uh, evident to me in my, my spirit, is that everything that I am to do is to, be, is to be worshiping and to praise and to give glory to God. I mean everything. Whatever it is I do, that is my purpose for living. As a matter of fact, let me read to you, before I do read this place in Scripture, the words of the Westminster Catechism. It is our purpose for life, they proclaimed it. It says, the Westminster Catechism says, our, the chief end of man. In other words, our ultimate purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Paul writes, verse 25 of chapter 11, I do not want you, brethren, so he is speaking to the family of God, I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And thus, all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins." From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, talking to the Gentiles. But from the standpoint point of God's choice, they, talking about Israel, are beloved for the sake of their fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience... So these also now have been disobedient in order that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience that he might show mercy to all. Now the doxology, now the prayer. Oh, the depth and the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and unfaithful, unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to them again? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let me let me start with prayer, Father, please, would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law and would you father bless us with the the very essence of your presence we, we, I felt him father through the music we just sang I, I felt him through the the, the, the life of, a, of a, the Ochoa family, father who have who have just been a a standard a standard bearer, Father, if we would, for our church and for the cause of Jesus Christ in everything that they do, Father, they do it to the glory of you. And so I felt, Father, your presence here, and and I pray that we would all feel that as we go to communion with you, to celebrate and to remember all that you have done for us so that we might walk into this Christmas season as fully aware of you as possible, wanting to glorify and magnify your name, our chief end is to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. So, Father, please move me aside so that I do not interfere with anything that we might do, especially, Father, so that I don't interfere with the very wonderful essence of of communion, our remembering you and our confessing our sins so that we might be righteous and holy before a very righteous and holy God. So bless us, Father, please. Thank you so much for this time in, in our lives that we might celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your kindness. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Let me tell you what Paul said concerning this, and then we'll read his doxology again. He said when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, whether then you eat... Or you drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, I want you to hold your place here, and I want you to turn with me into the Old Testament, would you please? To the middle of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, the 19th chapter, and let's listen to what David proclaims concerning his praise and his glory upon his God. Listen to the words. Listen to the heartbeat of David. And through David, and then when we read Paul's doxology again, let us prepare our hearts for communion, this holy season in which we live right now, to celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, doing as he has asked us to do. And that is to remember all that he is to us and to confess any known sin so as to go to the communion table as pure, as holy, as righteous as we possibly, possibly can. David helps to remember and to confess, helps us to remember and to confess, saying these most wonderful words. Read with me verse 1 and verse 2, and then we're going to jump to verse 7. Verse 1. Psalms chapter 19. The heavens, David says, are telling of the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge, the very understanding of God. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. He said that people are without excuse. We see God all around us. We we reject him sometimes. We do these other things to push him away, but he is all around us. Jump to verse 7, talking about the Bible, the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. It restores the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes of those who listen. Talk of God's word. It says in verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgment of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They, verse 10, his judgments, they are more desirable than gold. Yes, they are more desirable than fine gold, sweeter than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, in other words, by what we read in verse 9, his judgments, which are true, altogether righteous, David writes. Your servant is warned, warned. in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his or her errors? Acquit me, he says, of my hidden faults. David basically said here, 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 13, back in Psalms 19, also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. In other words, keep me from further sins, dear God. Let not them, let not my sin rule over me. Then I will become blameless, he says, and I shall be acquitted of great transgressions. Let the words, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If you turn back with me again to chapter 11 of Romans, Paul's doxology, his prayer at the end, focuses in on our purpose, and that is to glorify God. Paul prays, and right after this, guys, we will have communion. He prays in verses 33 through 36. O oh, the depth, And the riches, both both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who became his counselor? Who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. As Paul exclaims, as the Westminster Catechism would say, the chief end of us as human beings is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. He says, to Him be the glory forever. Amen. Now we're going to have communion. Guys, would you please come and pass it out? As we go to communion, and then we'll have the rest of the message, we, we will listen more to uh, what Paul's saying in chapter 11. It really fits. You're going to absolutely, I, th- I hope and pray, I love and adore it. It is really special. When we go to communion, our purpose is twofold. I want you to, to think of this every time you go. Um, Russ, can I have uh, one as well? What does it say? Corn tortilla? Oh, really? Didn't know we did that. We're an all-purpose church. We We are really great. I'm going to put this up here. Excuse me for a second. I'm going to put this up. Communion is twofold. First and foremost, you take communion to remember what Jesus Christ has done for you or who He is in your life. That's first and foremost. Communion, I, am, I, want to, I want to push this into your heart. I want to push this into your being. We are asked here often, can we have communion more often? And we should. And it's my fault when we don't. And I, I, I ask your forgiveness. But I think that most of us here don't realize the, the, the beauty of who and what we are in Christ. You should have communion Almost daily if you desire communion. Whenever you eat. If you have some bread on the table. If you have something on the table to drink. You can take the bread and you can take what you're drinking. And you can, do, you can have communion with your family in remembrance of what the Lord has done for you. And I would suggest the, 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 the men in the family to, to kind of call the family together from time to time. Have a sense of, of when you should have communion with your family and just sit down with your children or sit down with your loved one and just, and just have communion. Just stop. You can be at a restaurant. They have bread and, 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 and juice or water or whatever and you can have that and you can have communion. All communion is, is remembering what Jesus Christ did for you. The second part of communion is to make sure that you go to communion fully confessed of your sin, not to have sin in your heart, not to have something in your heart that you are harboring against or that you've done that you ought not to have done and you know it it's i'm not talking about that sin that 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 maybe you have done and maybe you haven't you you weren't sure were you when you got mad at that guy on the freeway was that sin i don't know maybe it was the lord will convict you the holy spirit's job is to convict you and me of sin and he he has he does a good job he doesn't need your help and he will convict you of sin when he does that's the time I really strongly suggest that you drop whatever you are doing and deal with it. That's the time to do it. So communion is twofold. We're going to now take the time of being quiet so that you can reflect and, 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 and l- listen to your heart. Is there anything that you are harboring that you ought to deal with in your life? Uh, And and if if nothing comes to mind, don't go dredging down there. Let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. He will reveal it to you at the proper time. He has a a purpose for you. And so deal with sin. And then in a moment we will remember all that Jesus Christ means to us, especially as we go into this season, especially this time of the year when we, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. What a privilege that is. So I'm going to be quiet. Um, I'm going to let you kind of just pray and, and, and deal with yourself and then we'll take communion together if you don't mind. If you'll just hold the bread and the, and the juice for a moment. You go ahead and you uh, kind of pray to the Lord. Father, your your beauty is unmatched. The privilege that we have as believers to take our sin, to confess it, to ask you to forgive us and to know beyond a shadow of doubt that you will take whatever sin it is that we ask you to to deal with and you will remove it from us as far as the east is from the west. And then, Father you tell us that you will remember that particular sin that we've dealt with through confession, you will remember it no more. It has been washed thoroughly clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. I know of no other reason to remember who you are, Father, I mean your son. I know of no other reason to remember the goodness of your son, then that wonderful privilege that he deals with our sin, removes it from us as far as the the east is from the west. As David prayed, your judgments, dear father, are finer than gold, sweeter than honey. And we are warned in keeping your judgments, your commandments, Father, there is great reward. And Paul tells us of the depth and the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of you. Your ways are unsearchable. Your judgments, unfathomable. You tell us that from you, dear Father, And through you, dear Father, and to you, dear Father, are all things. And to you, dear Father, be the glory forever and ever. And so, Father, we now as a group of people come before you to take communion. The bread that was a representation of your Son's body, we now eat, Father, remembering what He has done for us upon the cross. blood that he shed he represented it through the wine that they drank, the juice that we now hold and you said that this is a new covenant that you have given to us uh, an opportunity to have our our sins forgiven because of the blood that you shed Father may we remember that this baby that we celebrate this Christmas season grew up to walk willingly the cross to shed his life, his blood for ours so that we might not ever have to die again, that we would have everlasting life with you. Father, we remember that very happily. I'd like to close in prayer. Not close the service. <laughs> I'll just close this part of it. Thank you, Father. You have given us one of the greatest privileges that anyone could ever have. And that is to deal with uh, the guilt of our conscience, to deal with any problems that we may have, to bring them to you, and to understand that you hold that against us no longer You've forgiven us, Father. You have cleansed us. You have, by your grace, made us (coughs) holy. (coughs) We are holy human beings because of the righteousness of your Son (coughs) that we have living within us. Lord, how, how kind of you. Bless us the rest of this service, Father. Let us make sense of this great, great place In the Word of God, I pray in Jesus' most precious name, amen. Let me tell you, there's two aspects to the glory of God. Chief end of you and me is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Glorify God in in all that you do and enjoy Him forever. God's glory first... (coughs) you know, I can't eat healthy. I guess <coughs> what I had is stuck right here. It won't go down. It says, no, give me something that's bad for you. <coughs> I'm so sorry. I'm coughing on that. There are two, I, I bet you I know where you're going, Jeff. You're going to go get me water, aren't you? Two aspects of God's glory. Let me share what they are. It's very interesting. The first could be called his basic glory. It's his It's his very nature. It's the glory that he has that cannot be either given to him nor can it be taken away from him. It is who he is in his purest form. (coughs) I I got a... You got some water? Oh, great. Is it open? Throw it. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. I love you so much. Here's to you and your family. Thank you. The first part of God's glory cannot be given to Him, <clears throat> and we cannot take it away from Him. It is who He is in His purest form. Now, <clears throat> that, is, that is important to understand because we have been also asked by God to, to give Him glory. That, that is a purpose in your life and my life to give God glory. The glory that God has, has been revealed throughout scripture. For instance, Wayne, if I turn this mic off for a second, is that going to make it pop or do anything bad, or can you just turn it off back there? I'm not really ready, but let's go. Let me tell you about the glory that throughout Scripture has been revealed. Moses, way back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, he pleaded with our Lord. He says, I pray to you, show me your glory. If you only felt what I felt in my throat, you'd laugh so hard. It's like a tickle that won't stop. He said moses i I am so angry that i've done this <coughs> 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 because it's taken away from this most important part of the message <coughs> what is does that help thanks do I just yeah <laughs> Merry Christmas. <coughs> <coughs> <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed. I, uh, I will not eat gluten bread ever again. <laughs> oh, there's a wrapping on it too. Okay. <clears throat> Listen to what Moses said in Exodus. I've already said it a couple of times, but I, I don't want to take away from it. He says, I pray to you, God. I pray to you. Show me your glory you remember what happened? God could not show him all of his glory. He said, well, hide yourself in the cliff here. And he says, when I go away, you can see the tail end of it. One of my favorite places in the Old Testament, <clears throat> that's really tasty, thank you so much, <clears throat> is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. It says, <coughs> an angel <coughs> cries out for Isaiah to hear, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is what? Very good. Ah, I'm so impressed. The whole earth is full of His glory. Well, when you go to the New Testament, that glory is the very essence of our Lord and Savior, the baby that was born in the manger that grew up when we are told in John chapter 1 and the word. Jesus Christ, the baby, became flesh. We celebrate Christmas. He dwelt among us. And John writes, We saw his glory. Glory, John says, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. That's our Savior. That's our God. He has glory. The second aspect of God's glory is that which you and I voluntarily give to Him. As it says in the the Westminster Catechism, our chief chief end for living is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And so it is the honor that you and I have, the, the privilege to choose to give the Lord God who made us glory. We give Him glory, but the glory that you and I give Him does not add in the least bit to His basic glory. He is glory. He is magnificent. It is simply your choice, my choice, to go through, for instance... This holiday season, this Christmas season, it is our choice to affirm, to recognize, to proclaim His glory in and through our lives to everyone we come in contact with. How you do that, how we do that, that's a, that's a choice you make. Some of us will be a little more exuberant than others, but it doesn't make us better than others. It is just the style in which you worship and give God glory. So you may do that through your lives. And why you do that is because the chief end in your life, your ultimate purpose, going into Christmas is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. What a privilege! Our supreme purpose for living is to recognize and honor God. Now some might say, and I'm I'm one that would say this, not to give Him glory. Failure to glorify Him in and through our lives is a mark of spiritual rebellion. It's a mark of ungodliness. Paul seems to allude to this in the book of Romans, the first chapter. When we first started this book, Paul said, there's no excuse. Mankind has no excuse, Paul says. No one at any time, in any place, has an excuse to honor God or to refuse to glorify Him as God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it starts off, Paul says this, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven... It's been revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of mankind who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because, he says in verse 19, that which is known about God is evident within them. They know better. God, Paul writes, made it evident to them. Verse 20, For since the creation of this world his invisible attributes his eternal power his divine nature has been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they those they meaning everybody that walks the face of this earth we are without excuse we know better verse 21 for even though they knew god note they did not honor nor Glorify him, really, as God, or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart became darkened. Back to Romans chapter 11, what basically happened to Israel. Because we are really looking at Israel in chapters 9, 10, and 11. When she became consistently disobedient, refused to worship Jesus Christ for who he is. It says by Paul in verse 25, I want you to know, brethren, I don't want you to be informed about this mystery. This mystery is that God for a, a season of time has put Israel aside and blessed all the Gentiles with the gospel of Jesus Christ, lest you be wise in your own estimation. Verse 25, there has been a partial hardening that has happened to Israel. And it has happened to Israel, it says in verse 25, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. <clears throat> Thus, all Israel, he says in verse 26, will be saved. Verse 28, from the standpoint of the gospel, they, meaning Israel, they're enemies, enemies of God for your sake, if you are a Gentile. But from the standpoint of God's choice, Israel is beloved because of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the rest of the wonderful prophets. Paul had just warned the Gentile believers, as we've already studied, don't be proud, <clears throat> don't be conceited, don't be flippant about this faith that you have. It is, it is the greatest privilege that you and I have to know and to love the Lord. It is it is what a ripe and wonderful time we are alive that we can worship the Lord our God and especially that we can worship Him in a time when, when, when people are rejecting Him from, from one level to the other. There's just a rejection of God. We can stand up and say we glorify His name. It's one of the greatest privileges. So don't become proud. Don't become conceited with what you have because of unbelieving Israel being cut off, they were cut off in order that salvation might come your way and my way. We need to thank God for that. As verse 25 and 26 explains, God was not, is not finished with His chosen people, Israel. Not by a long shot. <clears throat> Their time is only a partial hardening. God will return to them with great blessings when the fullness of time, of the Gentiles has come in. In other words, when the last Gentile believer says, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, bingo. It's going to start. When that is, only God knows. Verse 27 and 28. For our sake, Israel became enemies of God. But from God's standpoint, they are Beloved for the sake of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so many others. You see, salvation is two parts it is the forgiveness of sin, and it's the removal of sin, is what we just celebrated in communion. Sin is what separates fallen mankind from a holy and righteous God. And the power of salvation is God's grace, God's unmerited favor that has been given to you and me through our faith. Faith. Verse 29. The gifts, that's talking about spiritual gifts. And the calling of God is irrevocable. You you can't give it up. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 clearly states this. Let us hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's not going to let you or me go. He's got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us. Stop, for the... Stop fighting it. Stop. Come. Trust. Allow him to bless you. For he who promised your gifts, which are irrevocable, your calling, which is irrevocable, he who promised it is faithful. So this is so wonderful. Both Jew and Gentile alike here in this, the end of this chapter. God will not change his plan. His gifts, his calling, they are irrevocable. Just as God's sovereign grace and it cannot be earned we receive god's grace by faith and faith alone neither can it be rejected or taken away i can't lose my salvation i can lose my blessings i can lose my peace with god i can lose all of those things but my salvation is secure in christ jesus because they are irrevocable my calling and my gifts. They're irrevocable. Kay and I have talks every once in a while uh, about how long, much longer, do I want to preach? Well, I don't know. I would like to preach <clears throat> till the Lord comes back. That would be my choice. I would love to live to that day. And I would love to preach as long as you allow me and as long as the Lord allows me. Because. What else do I have to do? What else is there in life? The gift that the Lord God has given me by grace is irrevocable. His calling upon my life, He's not going to take it away. I can lose certain things because of sin. Um, <clears throat> I often uh, wondered about those pastors that do things that are just, you know, you know, when they committed adultery or, they, or, they, or they've done the most despicable of things and yet they still continue to preach. You should not allow me to preach another message if, if I'm in deep sin. I can lose that blessing. But his gift and his calling upon my life, It's irrevocable. And so God's sovereign grace cannot be earned. Nothing can prevent Israel from being saved, not even her disobedience. Because Paul just declared in verses 26 and 27, her ungodliness, Israel's, will be sovereignly removed and her sins graciously by God taken away. I don't understand all of that, by the way. I don't I just trust it and I know that God is is wonderful and he will do what is right and I have no problem with that I just don't understand what all that means yet you see what is true of elected Israel God's chosen people the nation is true of you and me as believers what he has given us is irrevocable he will not take it away and that should make you feel so comfortable that, that God is going to be faithful with Israel in all of this time where they have denied Him and yet He will accept them back. And, and He does the same with you and me. He loves us so much. So much. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. Faithful. Faithful is He who has called you and He also will bring it to pass. You don't have to worry. He is faithful who has called you and me and he will bring whatever he has for us to pass. It will not be missed. It won't be missed. And so in verses 30 to 32, God makes this point. For just as you were once disobedient to God, speaking to the Gentiles, most of us in this room, But now you and I have been shown mercy because of their, talking of Israel's, disobedience. So these also now have been disobedient. The Jews, that because of the mercy shown to you, the Gentiles, they, the Jews, may now also be shown mercy. For God has shut up in all all in disobedience. Why? So that he may show mercy to all, Jew and Gentile alike. You know what our greatest need is? Mankind's greatest need. It's it's simple to know. Just study the Bible. Greatest need of mankind is to have their sins removed. To have their sins removed. And to be forgiven of their sin. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And through doing that, he then gives to mankind spiritual, eternal life. He takes us from hell and gives us heaven. Therefore, God's amazing mercy, his grace, his unmerited favor, generously provides that security of eternal life in your life and mine. Our sins have been forgiven both Jew and Gentile alike. Now, since salvation is based upon God's mercy, not our merit, you can't earn it. I want you to listen to Paul's words. Let's close with this. In fact, hold your, if you have a marker, you can mark Romans chapter 11, but turn to the right to 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy would be, um, you know, James and Hebrews, and then to the left, you'll go past Philemon and Titus, and you'll come to second, and then first Timothy, if you're coming from the back forward. I want you to look at first Timothy chapter one. I, I want you to look at this because if you mark your Bible, this would be a section to mark. I want you to note what Paul says about his salvation. These are not my thoughts. These are Paul's thoughts. This whole idea of the security of your salvation is not something that I've conjured up in my mind. This is what Paul has taught us. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, Paul says. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. Verse 13, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, even though I was formerly a persecutor, I was a violent aggressor. In other words, I was a sinner. Yet, Paul says in the middle of verse 13, I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Now, verse 14, great verse. The grace... God's unmerited favor, the grace of our Lord, was more than abundant. In other words, it was more than abundant, Paul says, to wipe away my sin, even though I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an aggressor against the very essence of who Christ is and his church. Paul says the grace, verse 14, of our Lord was more than abundant, "...with the faith and the love which are found, which Paul found, in Christ Jesus." In that is the gospel. He was forgiven for what he had done because he acted ignorantly in unbelief when the gospel message was preached to him. He accepted it, and it was more than abundant to forgive him of his sin through the faith and the love that he found in Christ Jesus. Now, stop for a minute. We're a little bit late. Not only a couple minutes, but let me just read to you this psalm. If you want to, you can look it up later. It's beautiful. Psalm 86, 5. The writer reminds us, For you, Lord, are good. For you, Lord, are ready to forgive. For you, Lord, are abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. If you're here this evening and you've not come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is calling upon you. He so desperately wants you to know Him. He so desperately wants you to trust in Him. And He so desperately wants you, doesn't need you. He wants you to glorify Him. The chief end of your life and my life is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I know of no greater way to end this message today. Enjoy the Lord God forever. Glorify Him in and through your lives, how, you might ask. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve." It can be with a great laugh with a friend. It can be with a serious, whatever it is, Um, helping with your mate, uh, loving on your kids. I don't know. I don't know. It really doesn't matter. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. I love you folks more than you'll ever know. I'm sorry about the tickle in my throat. I thank you from the very bottom of my heart that solved it. It's, it's gone. Thank you so much. I still have more left. <laughs> but I really do thank you for that. That's so kind of you to do that. Thanks. And thank you also, whoever else. Uh, yeah, it was you. Of course it was you. Lord, thank you for tonight. We, we just love you. And, and it, is, it is our choice, Father, to glorify you. Uh, for some of us here, Father, help us to, to understand what that means so that we can do it even more often, that we can be relaxed in how we live so that we don't have to necessarily be reading our Bible to think that we're glorifying you or, or, or doing something super, super spiritual to think that we glorify you. It, it could be just being kind to somebody it could be just just helping someone it it comes in different packages different ways father it's really the choice of us to to glorify you in whatever it is that we do it could be something as simple as on the freeway just in, just backing up a little letting someone come in and 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 take a space that so many people are so uh, eager to hold on to, oh, I can't lose one spot. It's, it's a number of things, Father. It's an attitude. Help us to glorify you. But Father, most of all, help us to love you so much that we, uh, we just are thankful for all that you've given us. Thank you for communion tonight, for everybody concerned. Bless us all, Father, as we go from here. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Gosh, I love you guys so, so much. Uh, For those of you that were Rock of Ages last night, you know what I'm about to say. You missed, you can leave, by the way. You you missed the time of your lives. Please don't miss Rock of Ages. They they know how to throw a party. They do. We had the time of our lives. So thanks for being here. God bless you. Merry Christmas. See you all.